1: We're all miserable, we're depressed, we're all on edge. You know why? Because we're trying to get something from something that is not wired to deliver it. He says, command them to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. See, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for perpetual joy. We're looking for something that will make us happy all the time. And only God can do that. Today. Today. Today.
0: Today with Jeff Finds. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. From 1 Timothy chapter 6, that's the heart of Pastor Jeff's message today. Hello, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill. And in this episode, we'll hear the rest of a message started last time. Pastor Jeff has been asking some tough questions like, what are you doing with your life? If you need to, head back to check out the start of the message. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. For now, here's the rest of this message called, Are You Rich?
1: we always talk about how vacation is a great time because the week before you go on vacation you can take anything right because you know on monday you're going to be in miami or florida or fiji or wherever so whatever anybody does to you that week before vacation you just take it, you let it slide down because man it doesn't matter what you say or do because on monday i'm out of here right there's another side to that it's the other side of vacation when you're leaving vacation and you're coming home you can't take anything why you're mad not too long ago with a, a, a friend of ours who had a timeshare offered to allow Robin and I and Robin's father to go and spend 10 days in Kauai. I mean, I could take anything the week before we went. And then we all noticed as we're driving to the airport to come home, that we're all irritable. Now we've just had how many people in the world would love to go to Kauai I got to play Poi Poo Bay, which is an incredible golf course. I was taking hikes by the ocean. I mean, it was fantastic. The coffee was good. And we're going back to the airport. And the reason is, is because we're all miserable. We're depressed. We're all on edge. You know why? Because we're trying to get something from something that is not wired to deliver it. He says, command them to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. See, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for perpetual joy. We're looking for something that will make us happy all the time. And only God can do that. But we keep thinking that if we get more and more money and take more and more vacations and buy more and more cars, someday we'll get to the point where we have perpetual joy. And then we've wasted all of our life on us. (laughs) Failing to realize that we're God's instruments to do good. In fact, here's the command. What's next? You want to know what's next since we are blessed, since we are so fortunate? Here's what's next. He says, do good. Agatha ergo, or egeo, which means noble or excellent. And believe it or not, when he says do good, he's not talking about feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, good acts of kindness, although those are important. He's talking about ultimate good. It's a word of what is ultimate. What is ultimate? Helping people far from God come near. So He says, I want you to do good, this overarching good, and then he says, but I also want you to be rich in good deeds. That's the next part of the verse. This is the word I told you about, abounding, abundant, not hoarding, over and above what is necessary. Now, there are times past, stay with me, when I would think about these things and I would draw a wrong conclusion. I would say to myself, man, I got to stop everything. I got to go into my room. I got to read my Bible for eight hours a day. I got to pray the other hours that are left over. And then I got to walk the streets talking to people about Jesus. Otherwise, I'm not a Christian. Now, why would I come to that conclusion? Because I'm stupid. <laughs> now, here's the rub. When I meet Jesus, really encounter him, this is what I want to do anyway. Anyway. Because the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in joy he went and sold all that he had. So that's why I told you years ago I gave up on trying to manipulate and coerce you to give it money. It's not going to work. When you find the treasure, there's a natural byproduct that you will start to live all of your life for the cause of Christ. No matter what you're doing. No matter what, if you own a company, you'll do it for Christ. You'll find a way to help people far from God and come near to God. If you have to drive into LA and you're in finance, it doesn't matter. You're trying to help people far from God. Come. Whatever you do, ministry, my job is not any more important than yours. It's a matter of gifting. This is what I'm gifted to do. In fact, this is all I can do. <laughs> I've got a friend that I often mention. I'm not going to mention his name again. But before he started his business in Vegas, he prayed to God for wisdom and success in his 20s. And he said, you know, God, pray that you would give me wisdom and success in my business so that I can sow as much as I can into the kingdom of God. It is the goal of my life, God, to live on as little as possible and give away as much as possible. Now, we are talking about money in this situation. But notice my friend told me that along the way, God said this to him, okay, be faithful in the little things and I'll give you more. See, what most of us do, God bless me, bless me. And when I get into my 50s and I have all these resources, I'll give it away. God says, no, you won't. Show me you'll do it now and I'll increase your wealth. And that's been the story of his life where he just sold his company for I don't even know how much. My friend Tony Bennett, who coaches at Virginia. Remember what I told you about Tony? When we were in New Zealand, I asked Tony to give up $3.3 million in a contract he was being offered by the Cleveland Cavaliers. To stay in new ministry where he was going to make $20,000 a year. And he sent me that text. Well, it was actually a fax. those You remember those old brother fax machines? And he had a photo of him on top of the pile of Charlotte Hornets where they had just beat the Celtics in game seven. And the caption read, what I did here was but for a moment, but what I'll do with you will be for eternity. For three years, he and his wife, for three years, he and his wife made $20,000 a year. But you know what God did? God said, okay, I see you. I see you. You can be faithful like that? And now Tony's making what? About 7.7 million? But that's not the important thing. The important thing is how much he gives away. You got no idea. See, Tony's having more influence now for the kingdom of God than he did when he was a pastor. Clayton Kershaw. Have you heard of his foundation? Kershaw's challenge is a faith-based Others focus the organization. We exist to encourage people to use whatever God-given passion or talent they have to make a difference and to give back to people in need. We want to empower people to use their spheres of influence to impact communities positively and to expand God's kingdom. We believe that God can transform at-risk children and neighborhoods through the benevolence and impact of others. Do you hear what he's saying? No matter what it is that you do, come along for the ride. We can all play a part. He says, baseball is great. I love it, He says, I'm thankful I get to play it, blessed to be able to play it past high school. But at the same time, I know it's a platform to be able to do other things. We're just excited to get to do it. We know that baseball is going to end one of these days, hopefully a long time from now. And hopefully we have some things that continue on long, long after we're gone. I've got a friend, Yoli. She's a real estate agent. And it's not good enough for Yoli just to have a real estate agency. From day one, her prayer has been, I want to create a culture in our office where people understand it's important that people far from God come near. There might be prayer at any given moment, even Bible studies on site. And then I want my organization to be able to give food and clothing and shelter and benevolence to those who are in need. She has an end in sight, and it's not making a lot of money. The end in sight is to use all the resources God gives her to help people far from God come near. See, it doesn't matter what you do. It just matters for what reason you do it. And all of this under the banner of generosity, Dotos, generous, liberal, bountiful. That's the word that describes Jesus' attitude toward us. Believers are to act toward others with the same generosity that God has given us, which is what? God gave us His best, what He treasured most, what He loved most, what was most precious to Him. Okay, you made it this far. We're right on time. What are you doing with your life? You, you, Pastor Jeff, you're not telling me to quit what I'm doing and go into ministry? Absolutely not. Wherever you are, how are you using your life and these resources God has given you? Why are we spending it all on ourselves? Why is our whole mission in life to get more and more and more? If I can get this much money, then I can have this house. Then I can live here. Then I can buy this car. Why? And will we stand before God one day and give an account for the way we've lived our lives? Absolutely. To whom much is given, much is required. And not money, although that's part of it. You, yourself, yourself. It is my goal that we would have our eyes open. So I want to leave you with three quick things. and I do mean quick, like two minutes each. Don't turn around and look at the clock, because if you do that, I'm going to go longer. <laughs> here's, what, here's what it tells us as we get started in this series. Number one, just admit it. You've been greatly blessed. Just admit it, that you have more than most people have. Water, food, shelter. Now, here's what I've noticed in my own life. Now, this is hard to say, but as I sat there on that bench, I said, God, show me what my problem is. And he did. I noticed that in, my, in those times of my life when I am struggling in this affluent culture, it is a result of bad choices, not a bad God who is not provided. I have usually done one of three things. I have failed to distinguish between what I want and what I truly need. Okay, second, I have failed to live within my means. So I give myself an enormous debt getting things that I really don't need. So I have bound my hands where I cannot do good, be good, do good things. And third, which is the most difficult, I have failed to live a life of generosity and therefore cannot be trusted with more. Why would God give me more? I'm not managing what I do have well. Sometimes I like to walk out to the parking lot on Sunday service. Now, the Saturday crowd would never do this. <laughs> I like to walk through the parking lot, and man, when I look at the parking lot, sometimes I just want to take a video, come in here and show you, at the cars in this parking lot. <laughs> the first few times I did it, I thought, you know, I want to know who is using our parking lot on Sunday because these are not our people. <laughs> I mean it's beamers, Mercedes, it's everything you can imagine. It's luxury vehicle of every kind. What? After the next, after the next. Well, should we feel guilty about that? No. Just acknowledge. We drive those because we can. We're blessed. Our cars are in better shape than most people's houses. Just acknowledge that you're blessed. You drive the best car because you can, but with blessing comes responsibility. And most guys don't want to admit that because if we admit that, we'd have to admit admit dependency. And we don't like admitting dependency guys because then we couldn't take the credit for all our success because we still think we're smart and gifted. And dependency would admit that we're going to be held accountable to the provider. What we do with our blessings matters. There is accountability to the provider. Just admit you've been blessed. Second, just admit that you're not really that smart or good. That's hard, isn't it? The text says there are two temptations. He says, let not the rich, or let the rich not be arrogant. Again, that's hupsilo for neo, which is a compound, but it actually comes from the word tufuo, which means to wrap in smoke. Now, if you wrap something in smoke, not very sturdy, is it? As we get more and more wealthy, as my income goes up, I think my IQ goes up as well. And then something really nasty starts to happen. We're all guilty of it. I began to look around at what I've accumulated, and I began to look down my nose at those who don't have a lot. And under my breath, I would never say it out loud, I would say, Poor so and so. They're just not as gifted as me. They're just not as clever as I am, I guess. They're just not as educated or as bright. So they're resigned to a poor lifestyle. Can I tell you something? Having lived all around the world, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. There are people in this world a whole lot smarter than you and I who live in poverty. In fact, what they're able to accomplish with far less resources is nothing short of miraculous. But rich people often start to think that they deserve what they have, that they're good, they're smart. Look what we have done. Now, how do you know that's their attitude? Because they spend it all on themselves. Paul says, Timothy, you tell those Christ followers that I, that through the power of the Spirit, Christ wants us to be rich in good deeds. What does that mean? To be extravagant in doing good. To leverage their extra for the sake of the world in a way that only rich people can do, and that's us. Because here's the thing about rich people, almost done now, they have extra time and extra money. They may not feel like they do, but that's only part of the trap. They actually do. The other 92% of the world live day to day. They can't imagine that an employer would say to you, hey, I want you to take a week off and we're still going to pay you, called a vacation. (laughs) I tell some of my friends that in some of my African countries, and they say, what? You get paid? They pay you not to be there? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But stats tell us that the more expendable time and income you have, the less percentage you give away in service to others. And the less extra time and income you have, the greater the percentage you give away in service to others. That tells me the poorer you are, the more generous you are. Isn't that incredible? Why is that true? Well, because rich people have a lot of competing options. They can use travel points to go places, they can own a second home or a getaway, they can drive over to Las Vegas and gamble because they have the money to lose, they can go to Palm Springs and play golf. Oops. (laughs) They can go to the beach. They can spend every weekend traveling and playing and entertaining themselves because they have the means to do it. Rich people have so much extra time that they have to actually think about, what am I going to do this weekend? God says, the problem is their thinking's all wrong. They think, how can we fill our extra time doing something that would bring us pleasure, bring us enjoyment, bring us more pleasurable satisfaction? And God says, if you're going to follow Christ... You're going to have extra time for a reason, you Americans, but I want you to be asking this question, how can I leverage my time for something other than me? How can I be rich in good deeds? Folks, as I begin this series, I pray with everything that in me, that you would take a good look at your life. You know, in Deuteronomy eight seventeen. 17, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength and my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce. And the reason it's so important to God that you realize the origin or source of everything you have is so that you will understand the difference between what belongs to you and what has been entrusted to you for his purposes. You know, Dane Johnson was at our church for a long time. He, he retired. I don't know if you knew Dane. If you did, you know what I'm talking about. He's like a bull in a china shop. Moved to Henderson, Nevada a couple years ago after he retired, after being with our church, but it's gotta be 30 plus years. And because he's no longer with us at our church, I can tell you something that I would not have told you when he was here. Dane was perhaps the largest giver ever to this ministry but he didn't make the most money. I asked him one time, I said, Dane, how'd you do it? Well, he said, I lived in a very humble house in West Covina, and I never got anything bigger from when I first got here when I was 18. But how did you do it? How were how you, you, you so generous? And I remember him looking at me and he said, because it's not my money. It never was. Luke 12:48. From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You and I are supposed to do good. That's the third thing. Be rich in good deeds. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Now notice something. He's not telling you to help little ladies across the street, although that's a good thing. He's not telling you to feed the poor, clothe those who need clothing, although those are important things, visit those in prison, those are important things. No, he said, I don't want you just to be good, I want you to be extravagant in your goodness. I want you to be so extravagant in your generosity in the same way Christ was extravagant in his. And as we began this series, I pray that you would take a look at your life and realize you've been blessed and desiring more, listen now, desiring more and more and more is a spiritual issue, a significant one. And you will and I will be held accountable for the way that I use God's blessings and resources. Okay, but let me, let me end like this. Uh, I'm a big Phil Yancey fan. I think I've read everything now that he's ever written. But he wrote a book called What Good is God? And in the book, he recounts In April of 2007, he was asked to speak at the student body at Virginia Tech after the massacre, after the Korean student fired 174 rounds at faculty and staff, killing 32 and wounding many others, and then finally turning the gun on himself. (laughs) Yancey was asked to come and speak, and he struggled to find the words to say. And I really appreciate a guy who's honest. There were no platitudes. There were no superficial answers, just honest dialogue. And what was really interesting, two weeks before he was supposed to speak, Yancey had a car accident that almost took his life. He barely survived. In fact, his car turned over numerous times in an isolated road in the middle of winter. And he spent seven hours unable to move, trapped in the car, looking up at the sky, wondering if anybody was going to come and save him bitter cold, internal bleeding. And somebody stumbled along, found him, rescued him. But even when he went to the doctor, the doctor wasn't sure he was ever going to be able to walk again. So he speaks to the university in a neck brace because the doctor told him, if you fall, if you move the wrong way, it's not going to be good for you. But he said, I got to go. And he writes in his book, he said, as I lay there staring up at the sky, I realized how much of my life focused on trivial things. During those seven hours, I did not think about how many books I had sold. He's a prolific writer. Or what kind of car I drove. Or how much money I had in my bank account. All that mattered. Boiled down to this. What have I had done with my life? And am I ready for what's next? What have I done with my life? And am I ready for what's next? And that's what he told the students. Folks. You've been blessed. You and I are more than fortunate. What are you doing with it all? I want you to close your eyes. I want to lead you through something. Close your eyes. I want you to thank God for your blessings. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Thank God for your blessings. to help you focus on what you do have not on what you do not have and then ask God how can you use your blessings for his purposes in the world Father, we are grateful. We are humbled. We recognise that we've been entrusted with so much. Open our eyes to our responsibility, to our accountability, but most importantly, to our opportunity to help people far from God come near. In Christ's Name, everybody said, Amen.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts.